has listened to me at all? Yeah, Vern, you know, Branson just does that. A grower who ended up planting conventional corn thought he had Roundup ready, but no, it's conventional. Glad you caught that. Horsetail looks like it is the weed of the year. Good day, and welcome to Wheat Pete's Word here on realagriculture.com for Wednesday, May the 24th, on this episode of The Word. Oh no, not one, but two alerts, and both on insects. I would not have predicted that. Then we have wheat challenges all the way from Montana, Saskatchewan, and into Ontario. Some interesting things to talk about there. Weed control, it's that time of year, need to stay on top of that, and... Doggone it, it's late. So we will talk about delayed corn planting strategies. Let's go. Hey, just before I begin, a couple of cool things. Ray, you asked about when do I look at messages. And by the way, doggone it, not many messages. Keep those messages coming, you guys. But... I look at messages whenever I kind of get around to looking at messages and I'm going to do the word. So if you definitely need the answer, you really need to have that message to me if you can by Monday. Enough on that. The other thing, I so love Twitter. It's such an agricultural tool. So hey, a picture tweeted of a grower out in Western Canada harvesting canola in May, still getting 36 bushels per acre. It was flat as flat could be. And I know I've heard of all sorts of fun things happening from that standpoint you know enough mice in that combine to actually cover the sieves right over had to keep cleaning the dead mice out but regardless 36 bushel per acre canola in may wow that is astounding that it could still be that good okay enough alert 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 and wow alfalfa weevil just decimating alfalfa in the Niagara region. A picture again on Twitter from Clark Agri Services and holy snapping was that alfalfa ever beat up. Now here's the deal. Tracy Bowdy has an excellent article on fieldcropnews.com talking about levels of, of infestation and control. So the control thresholds. One larva per stem if the alfalfa is less than 12 inches tall. And by the way, the hay crop this year, because it's been cool and because alfalfa has a base temperature of 5 Celsius, not 0 Celsius like my great wheat crop. It has not been getting very tall, so it is short. One larva per stem under 12 inches. Two larvas per stem under 16-inch alfalfa. And if you have greater than three larva per stem, you pretty much spray anytime, regardless of how tall that alfalfa is. As long as you can't harvest, that's always the preferred methodology in Oxford County. There's already been some hay harvested. So if you can harvest, then get out there and harvest. If you're having alfalfa weevils, you need to scout. There's no question about that. But in many cases, the soil is going to be simply too wet to get out there and harvest because we've had enough rain in many places that harvest and rain in the forecast. So if you need to spray, you spray either with matador or silencer. They're both the same active ingredient. So the same products, just different manufacturers. They both have a three-day pre-harvest interval. So that means you can spray. You can spray aerial if you need to or if you can get across the field, stop those weevil. They really just are wiping out all the leaves entirely and, and causing an awful lot of damage. So scout if you need to spray. If you can harvest, harvest, but don't let them wipe out that alfalfa crop. Looks like hay because of how short this first cut is. Looks like hay is going to be at a premium, so save it if you can at all. 
next? Alert, alert, alert again. Dang it. Cereal leaf beetle is out there in my beautiful wheat crop. So on the sandy soils, our first report of actual cereal leaf beetle above threshold coming from Alex Zelum from CNM Seeds, Waterloo County. Now, why Waterloo County? It's sandy soil. So in Ontario, we have amazing biocontrol by a parasitic wasp. So wherever the parasitic wasp can overwinter, we almost never have cereal leaf beetle levels in the wheat crop or in the cereal crop where it's above threshold. However, in sandy soils, that parasitic wasp cannot survive, cannot overwinter. And so those are the traditional cereal leaf beetle areas. So Sands of Norfolk, an area around Goderich, and also Simcoe County, traditional cereal leaf beetle areas. Steph Kowalski already has found egg masses in that Simcoe County area. They would be a little bit slower in development, behind a development compared to Waterloo County. If you're in one of those areas, get out there and scout. The threshold is one cereal leaf beetle per stem on average. And if you're seeing them, the earlier you spray, the better. But by the way, again, the Matador, the silencer would be the products we tend to use on that particular pest. And you can tank mix them with the Fusarium fungicide if the timing coincides for those two applications. Okay, enough on that. Let's move to Western Canada and Jake from Saskatchewan tweeting me a picture of a wheat plant they got down to minus 7 Celsius. Now, for those listeners in the U.S., that's 19 Fahrenheit. And for eight hours, they were below 0 Celsius or 32 Fahrenheit. His canola crop is just ugly, burnt down quite badly. He's hopeful that there's enough seeds in dry soil, a little bit of rainfall. They may not have to reseed. But he's really wondering what about his winter wheat. So a picture, he's at about first node. So the growing point was just above ground level. The leaves were pretty badly injured, but the head inside, he did an excellent job of dissecting the head out. It looked fine. And his question was, I think the wheat's okay. I don't think it's killed. But what about yield potential from that frost injury on the leaves? Well, first off, Jake, if you didn't kill 100% of the canola and in your pictures, your canola pictures, it looked like some canola plants had actually survived. Man, if some canola plants survived, then I'm pretty sure the winter wheat will be fine in terms of the injury on the head. So if the head is fine, and that's a big if because you start damaging the head and getting frost injury on the head that may not show up for a little while, that hurts yield. There's no question. But if it's only a few bottom leaves, the head is already set. So we are not going to make a smaller head size. If we really took off a lot of the yields, maybe the plant will drop a tiller or two because it doesn't think it has the resources to support all those tillers, but that's pretty rare at this stage. And so end of day, the yield impact, believe it or not, is almost zero because it's the the upper leaves. It's the penultimate leaf, the flag leaf, those top three leaves. They're where the yield really comes from. We didn't hurt any of them. I think your yield potential is absolutely fine. Just while we're on frost injury, wow, Brant County, we actually have cereal rye where the cereal rye head got injured by frost. It's emerging now on about 5% of the heads. Adam sent me a picture. Those rye heads 
definitely injured by frost. So in that Bruce County area, as the wheat heads out, pay close attention. Rise earlier than wheat. I think, that again, the wheat would probably be behind enough in development that we aren't going to have a, an issue with frost injury. But pay attention. And by the way, Chad at Sarnia saying that he's seeing a little bit of frost injury on the odd wheat head just starting to emerge now down in that part of the world. So it must have been colder a few areas than what we realized during that head development just recently. Around that, Branson, the wheat variety Branson, it is an excellent wheat variety. Lots of good things about that variety. Stands like trees, good yield. Vern sends me a picture saying, Peter, what is the matter with this Branson? It's starting to head and the head is all twisted up and wrapped up in the flag leaf and is it ever going to release and how can this have any yield at all? Yeah, Vern, you know, Branson just does that. It gets head snag and it always looks worse than it is and it almost always yields really, really well. So it's just one of those interesting things about that particular variety. If you have Branson, I bet money you're going to see lots of head snag this year given the weather conditions that we've had. Hey, another quick note about sulfur in wheat. Oh, am I ever seeing a lot of sulfur deficiency in wheat? Do you guys listen to me at all? Holy mackerel. Either either you're not listening, or I, I don't know what's going on, but there's a whack of sulfur deficiency out there and it will hurt your yield. Is it too late to correct that deficiency as long as you can get that sulfur into the plant so if you could apply today it's not headed we get some rainfall the plant can get that sulfur before it heads out and sets kernels pollinates the sulfur will do some good after pollination probably not so much Bill, you asked about burned leaf tips. Bill applied Buctrel and Stratego on May the 15th, and he burnt the tips of his leaves quite badly. He's saying, gosh, I, I use a fall burn down. We spray with glyphosate before we plant the wheat crop. It was clean. There was hardly any weeds. I'm not sure I should even have added the Buctrel, but I hate weeds after harvest. Have I wiped out my yield? And again, no, you can burn the leaf tips, and it looks far worse than it is. The yield impact, Bill, of that will be almost nothing. Don't worry about it. You are in good shape. Do you need the buckdrill? That's that's a discussion for the summertime or the wintertime. We'll deal with that then. Weston from Montana asking what is the best time to put some 28% nitrogen on his wheat crop to boost protein? So this is a really great question and I think we have a video that we'll try to link here where I talked about that. At the end of the day, Weston, the later you put the nitrogen on, the more it apportions to protein and the less it apportions to yield. But if you really want to get a protein boost, most of the research worldwide would say put on 30 pounds of nitrogen after the anthesis, after pollination. So the wheat heads, about 10 days later, go out there, stream on 10 gallons of 28%. If you can, mix it 50-50 with water because you'll reduce the burn component. The problem is that that doesn't get taken up foliar. So if you get no rainfall, yeah, the wheat crop may never get that nitrogen. And so it may not give you the boost that, that you would like. But if you get nitrogen for incorporation and the plant can take it up by the roots, the average protein boost out of that is about a half a percent. Okay, switch gears into weed control. Ray, you got your soybeans planted. Now you haven't sprayed them yet and you're saying, okay, Sencor. What does pre-emerge mean on Sencor? How long do I have? It's turned wet here. It's too wet to spray. Can I spray the Sencor on them when they're cracking? If they're up at all, do I hurt them? Hey, Ray, 
Really interesting. Johnson managed to get his soybeans planted. No, Johnson hasn't got all his corn planted, just the way it worked out. We made marks in the field yesterday, spraying my soybeans because the Sencor has to be on and the Aragon as well because I have glyphosate resistant fleabane. So we had to get that on in time before those beans got too far advanced with Sencor. Yes, you can apply Sencor just as the hook is starting to show. But once they crack that soil very much, the Sencor is going to give damage. So either it is a pretty tight window there. Don't want to see those soybeans beyond hook stage for the Sencor. Next, a grower who ended up planting conventional corn. Thought he had Roundup ready, but no, it's conventional. Glad you caught that. Into an old hay field. Now, he got decent control on the hay. There's the odd alfalfa plant. And the question is, how late can I spray glyphosate, Roundup, on that corn? Can I spray it when it's a half an inch below the soil? Or how does that work? Wow. Research by Dr. Peter Sikama would suggest if you spray glyphosate on conventional corn, when it starts starting to push the soil at all, kind of opening the crack up so that a little bit of that glyphosate can get down to that corn, you can have all sorts of issues. And so my only comment would be, if the only weed you're after is alfalfa, 2,4-D or dicamba or one of the hormone sprays, way better on alfalfa than glyphosate. If you have grass, if you have orchard grass or, or some of those pasture grasses that you need to control that's what the glyphosate is for but make sure you get it on quickly if that coleoptile is even within half an inch i think you're starting to take some risk i'd like to see it three quarters of an inch below that soil surface all right one last weed control question horsetail looks like it is the weed of the year in eastern ontario just growing gangbusters thick what is the best herbicide to control that in corn and in soybeans so in corn if the horsetail is up it's a glyphosate roundup broad strike mcpa tank mix remember mcpa extremely hot on corn you need to get it applied before four leaf corn or peter sikma's research would suggest significant yield loss i like mcpa on as early as possible if the horsetail is up just get out there get it on the tank mix of roundup broad strike mcpa in soybeans it's roundup plus plus broad strike you can't use the mcpa so that's really the tank mix that tends to do the best job on horsetail and earlier application with mcpa and corn is absolutely critical okay now that we're into corn let's talk about the situation with corn so darn it it's may 24th if you don't have your corn planted and there are significant areas where it's been too wet the heavier clays haven't worked it's now time to start thinking about changing varieties because most places where it's too wet it's still too wet and a lot of people know they can't get into the field till probably the first of june shorten up the maturity on those hybrids it's time 100 to 150 crop heat units per week from here on in a lot of guys going to just switch to soybeans hey you're going to switch to soybeans let's think about this for a minute you know johnson has ranted and ranted and ranted about how wonderful the wheat crop is in the rotation had a great email discussion with paul sullivan an excellent crop consultant out in eastern ontario and you know what We don't talk about this, but corn is an amazing rotational crop. If you pull the corn out and you go to soybeans, which means soybeans after soybeans next year to maintain your rotation, your place in that rotation, that long term is just like pulling wheat out of the rotation once. It will have implications. So as much as it's getting late, 
think about maintaining corn in that rotation if you can at all. It just has some benefit from that standpoint. Duncan, you asked about late planted corn and increasing corn populations. No, in actual fact with corn, we rarely run into the situation where we don't have enough leaf area by the time that corn plant gets to tassel to get maximum yield. So stay the course on corn populations. With soybeans, we get late, we increase population. Not so with corn. Last, Matthew, you asked about the different seed lubricants that we're using affecting the fungicide or the insecticide efficacy on corn and soybean seeds or the inoculant efficacy on soybean seeds. And the answer is nope. Not at all. At the rates that we use these seed lubricants, whether it's talc or it's fluency powder or it's graphite, they don't reduce the efficacy of any of our seed treatments whatsoever. All right, that's it. That's all. On behalf of the team here at realagriculture.com, this is Wheat Beat with the word for Wednesday, May the 24th. Hey, keep those messages coming. Doggone it. Keep the planters in the field. I hope it's dry enough you're getting done and then you get enough rainfall to make things grow like crazy. We'll be back next week and talk to you then.